What's up all my Sigma grandsirs? How you doing today? Fuck all the alpha males. It's the Sigma way for life, babe. Mm-hmm. Come on, let's go. <laughs> Have you ever considered becoming a motivational speaker? Yeah, yeah, I've thought about it. I think I can do it easily. Yeah, why wouldn't you do it? Why wouldn't I do it? Yeah. It's a soul corruption reason. <laughs> <laughs> think about all the money you would make. That is there, but I when the moment i hear a story about how somebody is a big fan of me mm. and i have not helped them at all mm. <laughs> oh i i honest okay yeah actually yeah the re- it wouldn't be for that reason the reason it would be soul corrupting mm-hmm. is because i'd convince myself that i'm not a fraud you would convince yourself you're not a fraud yeah yeah like i clearly don't mean what i'm saying to some extent but i would just give people honest advice on what i think they should do okay okay but I would I think I would go up my own ass way too easily like oh yeah. okay yeah I can actually I feel like that happens to you once you become like a motivational speaker because you just get used to people looking up to you and then mm. you forget that there are people who don't look up to you so you just think every, you just think you're better than everybody mm. is that something you're afraid of like uh, mm. disappearing up your own ass yeah yeah because I know how I have the capacity for it it was beaten out of me in uh, middle school only Oh yeah. Yeah, I had like a very fork in the road kind of moment when I was when I was very young. Like what? I mean if you don't yeah, mind yeah, sharing. Yeah, it's uh so I was in middle school I was very confident. Like I didn't have any like self esteem issues and all that much. At least in, as when it came to school. Like I was very I think I was a bit elitist only at a very young age. I was like I'm better than <laughs> most of you. Like Okay. This is a public school and half of you kind of suck like. <laughs> <laughs> okay this was public school in oman yeah yeah okay yeah so then and the thing is like i would get praise from teachers and and they would all say the same thing like if you just study you'll get good marks and if i just applied myself a little bit i would get marks so i was just like very up my own ass to some extent mm. and then uh, and also teachers loved me okay yeah so a lot of positive validation came from that and then in 8th grade i was made like the prefect Oh, which is I forgot if it's Damn. assigned. I forgot if it's assigned or if it's election. I can't remember. Uh, for us, I think it was assigned. I think it's assigned. Okay. Up to a certain age, I think schools yeah. just pick the ones they like. I don't remember what it was. It, but anyway, yeah. like I got that, and then I think even I was I didn't become like a fascist dictator, but I was mm. just really up my own ass. Like immediately, I was just like, I'm yeah. so much better than all of you. Like, mm. oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> so, and the thing is. I started having moments where it's like whoa this like like I almost pseudo bullied a guy mm. just for the sake of it like I was taking out my frustration on him and uh, and then later I ended like 2 years later he was also in my same church just happened to be so yeah, I met him in church and then I like I apologized to him and all that and like wow. I made up with him more I said that like what I did was wrong when I was in 8th grade and all that so that happened and then the teachers who really like were fond of me and generally were invested in my you know growth or whatever they one of them like really saw what is happening like mm. this he, you know he's getting in his own his head is getting way too big mm. so then he told my class teacher to like strip him of the prefecture like oh. just take out, and then and then that really humbled me that's like cuz i respected that teacher who who told said to do that also so i was like okay this is really yeah you know i i went to the dark side for like you know mm. half a year or something so then i know it's in me to just be extremely chauvinistic and overconfident and just like like you suck don't talk to me like mm. i have that in me so i'm very conscious of that yeah have you ever seen that come up any time like after school 
no that's the great oh, thing like that's i that's amazing dude i would say that i'm i'm i haven't had any issues after that it was really like a very deep learning experience like it mm. i think it generally rewired my brain that's pretty impressive to have that kind of a learning experience at like mm. such a young age it's all because there was a gen- teacher who was generally invested in my growth like he he said he saw like something bad was happening mm. and he did something about it that's fucking crazy mm. so that still worries you that someday you might just end up becoming or having your head grow too big but also do you sometimes feel like that holds you back hmm i made the choice in high school mm. that i'd rather suffer the consequences of not being confident enough mm. than suffer the consequences of being overconfident oh really yeah, you yeah. made a conscious choice i made a conscious choice Why? about that because i saw what overconfidence does and i it was so ugly like i i because underconfidence only affects me okay but overconfidence hurts other people i mean underconfidence can hurt other people also around you right how so Uh, if you're under con- uh, let's say someone's underconfident yeah and if that person is underconfident they might adopt like a very defeatist attitude for mm-hmm. example mm-hmm. and that does affect the vibe of the people around them hmm so it still does hurt them but overconfidence i think is the way it manifests in me i think is far more dangerous why how does it manifest in you Zay, just shut the fuck up! You're you're, you're stupid, dude. Mm. Like how how did you get this opinion, bro? Mm. Like how dumb can you be, Zay? <laughs> like that's what's in me. Like okay. But what does an un- underconfident you sound like? Hmm. I mean, the way you've known me, like that's okay. Yeah. Fuck, that's crazy, dude. Because I feel like I've seen both sides of you. Yeah. Yeah, I think I've seen mm. both the underconfident and the overconfident side of you. Mm. I mean, I feel like that's obviously there in everyone. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't think anybody's like the perfect amount of confidence. Yeah. And I think it also changes based on the domain. Like what you're oh. talking about. Hmm. I mean, not you specifically, hmm. just anybody in general what they're talking about. Hmm. I think it varies. Yeah, I spent a lot of time before college especially being afraid of being very too overconfident and Mm. Like I was always like, let's stay on the ground, you know. Yeah, yeah, that was always in my mind. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I think for me also being good like mm. academically and being like okay at sports mm. kind of like got into my head like a little bit too much because mm-hmm. then I felt like oh yeah if I can do this like whatever I can mm. manage everything else. Mm. But I think it was only like after like well not even after I, college definitely humbled me a lot. because mm-hmm. i was like holy shit like all these guys are smart mm. like it's not like any of them are dumb mm. or any of them are not willing to work hard or anything like that mm. yeah yeah college did a lot yeah because it didn't necessarily humble me mm. it made me hate like cbse like so much why because i did my job Ah okay yeah I did exactly what was supposed to be done mm. and that was that made my grades in college I would say worse cuz I it took time to what do you call adjust to like this new way of teaching mm. even the way the instructor would teach on the board write down a fraction was like just completely different right yeah yeah, yeah. it yeah. felt like 
one thing i noticed in the us was like they weren't really interested in getting to the answer fast hmm which is a f- at least for me it felt like that's what my education up till 12th was about hmm. about getting to the answer quickly yeah like you'd skip steps you'd be like yeah okay you guys all already know this mm-hmm. but there the impression i definitely got was like they had no interest in like actually getting to the answer quickly it was all about like how they how effectively they went about it hmm like they wouldn't skip steps they wouldn't make assumptions yeah i would say a bigger difference is that uh, in india every problem on the blackboard is viewed from the perspective of like when you see this in the exam here's how you go here's here's what you know if there's a question that you can identify it's likely this question the invigilator no not the invigilator the the, the board they'll sometimes they like to give this question if it's an mm-hmm. unknown question no most likely it'll be this problem that problem like everything is how to succeed in the exam <laughs> and that just ruined me in college like it was like fuck i couldn't because then the because in college it was just like a textbook homework and the exam yeah so then the, then i was like i don't know what to do with this textbook <laughs> like like cbse textbooks are rubbish yeah i never opened them it didn't mean really it didn't really mean anything yeah and then it was like so when i opened the textbook and i was there's so much like how do i know what's relevant like then it's like oh no it's all relevant no <laughs> but it can't be all relevant the exams i'm going to test all of this yeah yeah but i don't know for me like the biggest thing that's always stuck with me it was like a really small thing and i see this even in like online videos where you have somebody from the us explaining like a math problem mm-hmm. um you know how like let's say you have x is equal to 1 by 2 mm-hmm. or rather let's say 2x is equal to 1 so what is the value of x yeah so in india they would always just tell you hey, you just move 2 over to the other side and yeah. put it in the denominator yeah. but over there they would always say you divide both sides by 2 yeah and that's what actually happening you're not actually moving two to that's the other side that's a very side. good point because yeah. i think to this date if you ask people what is happening there they can't answer it in india yeah they don't know why it goes there yeah exactly yeah. i mean for me it was like such a when they put it up on the board i was like yeah of course that's what's happening that yeah. makes perfect sense hmm. but the fact that they do it every single time hmm. like really tells me that yeah okay these guys actually want to know what they're doing like they just didn't memorize like a bunch of sequences or steps and be like yeah okay this is just what we do now dude it's more horrific than that it's hmm. not that they even want to know what they're doing hmm. it doesn't occur to them to do it in another way like how do we get rid of this too we divide both sides by 2 oh that makes sense yeah the concept of like just move the 2 <laughs> and ro- ratify that you can do that it doesn't occur to western people yeah yeah it doesn't even occur to them that that is something it's a way do. more horrific truth like mm. yeah that's something so weird that i see even online videos of indian people doing math mm. they always move to to the other side yeah but that makes no sense that's not something you can do in math you can't move a number from one side to the other yeah it just looks like that but yeah. you're dividing it and yeah the remainder is on the right side or whatever <laughs> yeah so when i saw that repeatedly i was like oh shit mm. yeah okay these guys take they they definitely look at things very differently yeah i like fuck when i realized that's when i became interested in like philosophy and civilization mm. type stuff mm. because i was like how it's not just you know us doesn't just have infrastructure and all that stuff like this 
I realized like oh god like it felt like the Socrates cave thing. Mm. I was like I've been in this cave this whole time where I thought mm. everything is like this. And the US has developed because it's fucking developed who knows why. And India just sucks cuz we would really we'll get there. <laughs> Then when I went to US is like oh we're not going to get there. Like <laughs> this is bad. This is really bad. Like yeah. So I remember I looked at uh, the first time I looked into the eyes of a white like chick manager in management you know these finance chicks uh-huh like basically white chicks who are not doing stem okay when you when I, the first time i spoke to one and looked them in the eyes now i realized like oh what you're actually happy like <laughs> <laughs> you actually don't give a shit like it's you know like fuck don't give a shit about what survival has not occurred to you mm like you just assume that no matter what yeah it's not occurred to you that really horrific shit might happen like hmm. yeah man honestly i feel like it was just, the way like science was just pushed on has got like a little overblown it didn't have to be that much yeah the only thing i tell myself which is just a noble lie perhaps is that i think maybe if i was born in the us sometimes i wish that was the case but i think if i was born there who knows what i would have been like hmm. god knows yeah Yeah. Hmm. One thing I also found very confusing about the US when I got there was the frat culture. Very confusing you said. Yeah. Oh yeah. It didn't really make sense to I me. I mean you're talking to the right person here. So yeah. yeah. I can explain everything. Like yeah. Yeah, so why don't you give people your background of in frat oh, culture? Oh yeah. So So I'm a blood brother of uh, Beta Chi Theta, <laughs> which is a South Asian uh, based fraternity and it's there all over all over US. It was founded in Los Angeles in UCLA first. and uh, so it's, it's very young and it's around that time a bunch of south asian based fraternities came up and before that i guess i should explain what a fraternity is not many people know hmm. there are two kinds of groups one group as like people who have seen american pie <laughs> and those who haven't yeah okay so for those who've seen american pie that sort of does happen but that's not the point okay <laughs> For those who have not seen American Pie, forget I said anything. <laughs> <laughs> so, essentially, it was a hundred or one hundred and fifty years ago. A bunch of dudes in university um, came together and decided to form like clubs, basically, around like values. Mm. Are you laughing? It came together. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> no. Then what are you laughing? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> okay go on so you know a bunch of guys were just like you know i believe in uh, a- academic excellence <laughs> now i'm laughing it came together <laughs> <laughs> a bunch of white dudes 150 years back came together mm. and it was wonderful and, <laughs> <laughs> and like so like uh, a bunch of dudes who believed in certain values specifically this yeah. is a bunch of virtues mm-hmm. and but however you believe that academic excellence is extremely important it's like Mm. very important and two others like bravery or uh, community service okay so they would make a club that are around a very specific set of values and they'd want to you know practice those values and also create a sense of fraternity if you will mm. a sense of brotherhood <laughs> so yeah so this ended up becoming somehow you know fast forward time god knows what you know it ended up becoming 
fraternities mm. and the way they are named is after their values actually oh yeah like beta kai theta is bct mm. in greek if you actually yeah, translate yeah, it yeah. the letter bct in english so the most three important values in beta kai theta are brotherhood culture tradition oh wow yeah so like tradition is like the you know the stuff we have like mm. that that is there in each chapter and nationally also which we only practice then culture is like south asian culture like you know mm. making that prosperous and then brotherhood is the most important thing so okay. all fraternities the letters are not random it be the first letter of their most important values oh wow i yeah. had no idea dude yeah yeah that's pretty interesting i don't know what zeta phi and all is yeah. i don't know what values isn't it a sorority uh, it's hard to say yeah okay <coughs> i just made it up mm-hmm. so yeah but roughly speaking it's it's there's a kind of name like that mm. and um, yeah and then these these fraternities ended up being very influential mm. because fast forward 50 to 60 years you have people who you meet in the workplace who are like dude you are sigma phi or oh, dude i'm sigma phi dude like which <laughs> chapter dude oh fuck dude you remember like fucking uh, midwest regionals mm-hmm. like dude we fucking you know crashed to the beer pong table like yeah dude that was <laughs> you dude oh fuck bro <laughs> like yeah dude, dude i'll sort the deal out bro don't worry <laughs> <laughs> like it became uh, you know something that affected things in the real world outside okay. college yeah because you had that alumni network also mm yeah and this goes deep like mm. board members mm. presidents like politically washington these conversations are happening wow yeah so it became very influential in america okay yeah so to the extent where then you know fast forward more decades people started rushing fraternities for their alumni mm. you know yeah like you know half the board of uh, raytheon is uh, sigma chi mm. you know, like that they're thinking like that okay so you it changed over time like why people were rushing for fraternities yeah yeah another thing that changed obviously is that it stopped it started to be associated with, with like an extreme party culture which yeah. you could make a strong argument right now that a lot of these ancient white fraternities are just about partying mm. it's it's just living in a house bunch of boys tripping and if it was not for the mandated community service and all that they just wouldn't do it like it would just it will just be a party house mm yeah and uh, it also became like a status symbol thing okay where um, you could come to college and make your own friends or what not or you could just fucking join a fraternity yeah like when i think about like what a frat sounded like to me in college that was basically it yeah. it was like a status symbol thing and a party thing yeah because i don't know i've been to the parties of like white fraternities so obviously like that's there but i don't know what the inner working is because mm. i'm not in it so, but i know beta kai theta is about much more than partying for sure okay so i maybe they're all they also the same now but the way the, you know people's general impression is that it's just a bunch of party fucking houses you know that's weird dude because if i maybe if i thought that it was about more than just those those two things yeah. i would have been more inclined to actually go through like the rushing process yeah but all i ever knew about it was like yeah like people get together they party they fuck with each other and mm-hmm. that's it so e- even if they don't if they're not like super into their values and what not at minimum you still get a lot of benefit one is that you immediately get a friend group mm-hmm. okay your pledge class and you will be, will be like br- brothers by the end of the fucking semester for sure okay. because you will be put through a bunch of shit then second of all um it's something to put in a resume Mm. you do you you know you have community service hours mm. 
you have every fraternity will have um their cause mm. like uh, for beta kai theta it was uh, it was like uh, you know heart related issues and all okay yeah so heart health and what not is the main health issue mm-hmm. and then uh, what's the one there was a sorority in purdue whose thing was domestic violence mm. like that was their main focus and they would do community outreach based on that so that's things you can put on your resume and okay. then another thing is that you have access to alumni who are in your major mm so been through it yeah assignments advice whatever you have that people you can ask be like dude what the fuck do i do in me 309 yeah 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 so just on a you know if you're doing pros and cons those are the pros yeah yeah the cons is that it costs money mm. which you know it's not that big a deal it's not it's not a lot i feel especially when you consider you get housing for 2 2 mm, years yeah it's actually not that much yeah and uh, it's also like a massive time investment like you can't it, have a life outside of that outside of what i mean you have to make that fraternity your life there's not, no time to do other stuff not necessarily no uh i don't know i mean most of the people i knew who were like really into their frats all mm. moved into that house mm. lived there together did everything together mm. so that's everything like there's nothing outside of that for you oh that's interesting whether that's a choice or that's forced on them or whatever because i mean i knew there were some people who weren't like really into it yeah. who li- chose to live outside mm. but even then most of them like lived with their fraternity brothers only yeah i would say it's it's i don't think anybody who does that feels like they have to okay because there are people like it's a common stereotype where you know you have your boys who live in the house with you and what not yeah and then there are guys who come to the weekly meetings who are not living in the house because not everybody can live in the house mm. the house is a finite resource yeah so some people do live outside but you still hang out with them yeah so I've never seen somebody who felt forced to do that they had to make it part of their lives. Okay. But the thing is once you go through the process of becoming a brother like you feel really close to the people around you. Mm. Because no one else has sh- shared that experience with you. Yeah. Yeah, so that's definitely there. So you are still close to your frat brothers now. Yeah, yeah, like super close. That's fucking crazy too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, and the lines after me um i brought in two lines like i was in charge of bringing them into the fraternity oh okay yeah so they go through a process of initiation over the course of a semester so one person is in charge of that mm. so i was in charge of bringing two lines in mm-hmm. so they both like those two lines are like super close to me like they okay. you know they still hit me up and what not and i recently i forgot when it was in the middle of the year last year i went to one guy's uh, wedding in hyderabad oh wow crazy yeah, yeah. So like that I got to see them after a long time. Uh-huh. And it's just like instant slot back into the old school vibes. Yeah. Yeah, it was just, you know, people are just like it's genuinely like good wholesome brotherhood like it's nice. Yeah. Damn, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah, it honestly is really really good. Yeah. And then of course like we have parties and what not. Yeah. Yeah. We never had a sorority but all the girlfriends and the friends of the people who were dating the brothers became like the chicks who were there at the party all the time so that just happened mm. yeah so yeah yeah it's only it was like it's honestly one of the very meaningful things i did in college especially because beta kai when i joined oh yeah the story of how i became a brother also was hilarious mm. like you remember like our boy mohammad ali no? yeah so he was the president of beta kai 
and at that time beta kai had a very bad reputation okay like, first of all it's there's like five members hmm. okay so and then second like the classes just before mohammed the people who were like you, you know how there's classes for every year yeah so the classes before mohammed were a little bit like douchey and shit like they started mm. like thinking too much of themselves and beta kai got the reputation of just being like asshole party guys and then those people you know left and then the the classes that replaced them became smaller and smaller until now you have just five members and out of those five members i think most were like seniors mm. it was so after the end of the after the end of my junior year like fall 2015 at the close of that year there would have been like two members left okay and so basically the chapter would have been shut down and they didn't have a class like they didn't ha- recruit anybody for two years nobody even like showed up like mm. that kind of scenes so it was like it was very clear that this chapter is going to die and uh, purdue's chapter was pretty decently historic mm. it was you know it was very early 2004 it was founded and it was a very strong pillar of the midwest alliance like they had there's a beta kai in minnesota and there's one in purdue and like these two were the strongest so it would have been a big loss like it was it was like a you know era type ending sort of situation and the thing is because i was really close to mohammed i was like dude i thought like he he's running a club <laughs> i was like dude just put my name in the list and then we have number like fucking what's the fees 100 bucks like fuck fuck that dude like yeah, i just thought i'm helping him out like just so your chapter doesn't get dissolved like i was just like fuck that sounds so serious just like, sign me up dude was was the big deal so so then uh, then they did all the ceremonies and all that where it's like they gave me the invitation you know in that midnight in some random park what the like, fuck i mean fine this is your traditions whatever it's cool okay <laughs> so i'll come to the meetings i guess <laughs> so then, and then like the actual process started and i was like oh this is a lot <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah this is okay okay this is this is the whole thing right okay yeah yeah and then uh, so then i was like okay cool i'll still do it like it was anyway right you know half of it is boys tripping and having fun only the other half is like serious shit so while i was doing it um there's like a there's something i don't want to say what it is because it's a whole there's a whole thing of like secrecy where you shouldn't really reveal what's happening but there's essentially a code book mm. that uh, states among other things other other than the bylaws and what not by which the chapter functions like the legal stuff it has like the values and what and what we believe in and the way it was being administered to me as i was pledging i was like oh this is actually nice mm. like i like this and like it was generally trying to inculcate brotherhood amongst the people who were trying to be initiated and they would have situations where they would have activities which i cannot mention on the podcast for sure mm, but uh, the activities were centered around testing how you would take care of your uh, pledge mates okay yeah so it would put you in situations where they would see what your character is mm. and then they would decide if they want you to join the fraternity or not yeah so the process actually the way it goes i should mention that i guess the process the way it goes is there's something called rush Yeah which is just like an open invitation to anybody who wants to come and uh, you meet the brothers there and you get to figure out what the fraternity is about and the whole scenes and the brothers make a list of who they like mm and they decide that we'll send an invitation to these people those people get invites 
and then when you show up to the event that you're getting invited to that effectively means you've accepted your invitation and you are now a pledge for that fraternity you're called a pledge and you'll be that for half a for a semester and at the end of the semester you'll be initiated formally into being a brother of the fraternity okay yeah and uh, and so throughout that pledge process now like you can it's it's like a reality show like you mm. get eliminated oh shit yeah okay. so, yeah so if if you're not good enough or if you, if you don't show the right qualities that you know are needed for the fraternity you get kicked out mm. and then you narrow it down to the people who you want to be brothers yeah and then also the pe- the pledges also some of them might quit because they're like fuck their shit yeah yeah so it's about that and yeah and all the activities you have throughout the pledge process are all designed to reveal people's personalities and characteristics like how does this person behave when shit goes down hmm yeah so then we see that as like okay dude he has people's back he's not he remained calm he, you know found a solution whatever that's actually being, pretty cool yeah yeah while being blackout drunk or whatever <laughs> like, yeah so like it's it reveals that and okay. then when you don't if you don't show that then we teach you that like dude you have to have your brother's back like stop just thinking about yourself yeah yeah and all the activities are based like if you succeed at something it's because all of you succeeded yeah yeah if one if one or two people failed at it all of you suck yeah okay the guys very different from like the rest of college where it was just like hmm. it's you and yourself basically yeah apart yeah. from like the few group projects you do mhm yeah interesting hmm and that varies also you know the person like my the, what i was doing uh, to bring in two pledge classes my role was to decide how to navigate that okay like okay this line is very united like mm. they're already they were already friends before this clearly and, you know and so that's nice and then sometimes the class will be like oh there's eight people here six of them are very close and there's two extra mm. who are not really inside the in group so how do you navigate that interesting yeah So I'm assuming all the stuff you did there you must have found useful in like the workplace. Work at least place. at uh, Weevil, not at Infosys probably. Uh just in terms of communication like teamwork, yeah. team activities like nothing in uh ironically my role was pretty dictator like like I could do what I wanted. Where uh in Bedakai. Ah okay. Yeah, my role was but then thing is everything else is always by committee like everyone has to agree to it. Okay. We have executive positions also like this president vice president social chair. Yeah. Um those people make the decision at the end of the day but we're all in on it. It's a pro- it's you know everyone has to agree to it to some extent. Yeah. Crazy. So I just thought that like how do you talk in teams? Like I don't think you can graduate from in being in a fraternity without knowing how to be collaborative and all. Okay. Yeah. Because in a fraternity, if you're like a very dominating dickhead who only has to get your way, you'll get told to shut up. Like, <laughs> like bro, shut the fuck up, dude. It's not about what you want all the time. Like, you know. I guess, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure it also comes down to how smoothly you can navigate that landscape. Because mm-hmm. there are people who are very good at getting their way in any situation. Mm-hmm. And not yeah. necessarily through force. Oh yeah yeah certainly yeah that I consider that teamwork 
as long oh. as no one feels like they've been duped or whatever it's teamwork only like it's fine okay yeah fuck that's interesting because i feel like once you once you can see like these things people do mm-hmm. kind of does feel like they're trying to dupe you yeah but that's them not doing it correctly or you're saying caught. they do it so well that you can't even tell yeah because if you get caught then you failed then you suck it's a very high risk game mm yeah so if you don't get caught then good job dude everyone's happy no one knows the difference but if you get caught then it's like such a you take you go from high to low immediately mm. like you fucking suck so it's, yeah. it's if you want to play that game it's fine but yeah it's a high risk game so and then you you kind of you know reflexively learn that it let me let me just take this mini l on this topic and we'll all just be happy it's mm. way easier ironically that sam altman tweet what he, just before he got fucked in the ass by everybody you know ilya and all that he had this tweet where it was like let yourself get uh, cheated on not cheated on but let basically to paraphrase let yourself take the l mm. in certain things so you don't have to live your whole life with your guard up all the time oh yeah yeah, yeah yeah something about being vulnerable and it's okay to get screwed yeah to get screwed over so that you yeah. don't you, you know you don't have to have your guard up all the time yeah yeah so ironically he got fucked over still <laughs> <laughs> but you kind of do reflexively learn that like it's okay just fucking does it really fucking matter if we have the party at this club or that club just fucking yeah this is the boy stripping because there's a hundred yeah. hills you have to talk about a hundred things mm. which where's where's the formal going to be where is the fucking uh, after party going to be mm. where is uh, how many there are there are brothers lagging on the community service hours you know what is our next community service event there's so many things and if you are the type of person who has to get their way in everything like you'll be caught out very easily you'll be like dude what is wrong with you mm. there's a hundred do you want to die on every hill that you encounter <laughs> Have you ever felt like the group of friends we have here mm. is almost like an informal frat or have you never really gotten that impression? Mm, let me think. Let me think about that. It's a tough one. Yeah. Hmm. Because everything you've spoken about so far, I think I've seen and felt and been like that huh. at different points of time, like hmm. in the group over whatever the last like eight, seven, eight years. Yeah. So, but I mean, again, it's not like a formal thing. But it kind of sounds like everything you are describing. It's tough for me to answer because I've only been here for like four years. That's so. I mean, that's so I might not be feeling what you're feeling. that's the length of college anyway so no but the thing is what you do in a fraternity is such a bonding experience that mm. it elevates the situation above spending time with somebody for 4 years oh okay yeah that's what i'm trying to say it's like but what are you doing with them like i mean uh, fine you drink you party mm. you bitch about school mm. and beyond that in a, in a sim- to, in to explain it in a simple way see i can't reveal what we do but I, in a simple way what happens is that you learn how to treat these people as family oh. like you can't tell your family to go fuck themselves no yeah like no this person is your fucking brother and you figure it out there's no option to like fuck off okay figure it out interesting yeah 
so did you guys ever have to like confront each other talk yeah yeah absolutely it happened yeah, yeah there was like infighting and all that some guys like fuck you fuck this like why the fuck are talking to that girl and all <laughs> okay <laughs> yeah so all that happened and all of that was figured out like we sit and talk about it like say it and luckily all of them also or at least i was anyway by by the time i joined there were six people uh-huh. so everybody in the fraternity now is all people who came after me and the the batch that i crossed just after me they were the omicron class uh they were like super tight already as kind of friends and they all generally believed of like don't keep things inside like mm. you have a problem fucking say it they were always like that and so that's pretty cool and then because every class also you know succeeded them that vibe is still there to some extent i don't have a good pulse on what's the vibe now okay because uh, because even the batches that i know have all graduated so now i don't know what's happening no but that's pretty cool i mean if people are actually willing to say mm. what they're thinking or how they're feeling yeah, yeah. Like I can impressive. attest that Bedaka Theatre Iota chapter in Purdue was like this. It was genuine fucking shit. Like it was fucking real. Like, yeah. That's crazy, man. Yeah. Yeah, I remember like there was one situation where I had graduated, but I was having a difficulty finding a job. Yeah. Yeah. So and the thing is, but just out of momentum, I was still going to the house and you know hanging out with them. eventually i stopped because i st- i started feeling very awkward because like i'm the only person not in college here i don't want to feel like the uncle coming to our college party yeah 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 and also anyway i was really like my self esteem was really going down because i was having struggle i was struggling to get a job so i started a little bit isolating myself and one day one guy like 3 years younger to me who i was his pledge master only he asked me like yo how come you are here you know how come we don't see you and all that i i told him i opened up properly to him and uh, it was like yeah i'm just i'm just not I'm just feeling down right now. I'm not like I feel ashamed to be here because I don't have a job yet. Yeah. You're in college. It's awkward. Like he he told me to like dude shut the fuck up dude. Like no one thinks that. Mm. Like it's we all just love spending time with you. Like there's absolutely no no one is thinking that at all. And that really reassured me. It was like I still remember that. Like Yeah. Yeah. Man, that's really nice. Mm. Yeah, to have people like that around you. Yeah. That's pretty special, and also it's it's uh, you inevitably also have different kind of people within Bedakai because there's not that many brown people, so you can't be as selective. So okay. you're, you're 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 forced to figure it out with who you have to some extent. Mm. So, but the advantage to that is that you have such a wide variety of people. Yeah, you have like proper Sigma grants at <laughs> people, and then yeah, and you have people who are just like fucking. This is chill, dude. Like, just <laughs> relax. You want to play Smash? <laughs> yeah. Okay, this actually brings me to the next question I had, mm. which is, what is Sigma grind set? Hmm. I mean, if you have to ask, <laughs> <laughs> the audience is a very bigger question than Zayn asked. <laughs> so, the, so okay. So initially, somebody posted. I'll tell you the origin of it. Okay. Is that some scientific stuff came out of how wolf packs operate? Uh and they don't actually have an alpha. Yeah, initially the paper was like they have one alpha mm. and that alpha has to maintain his superiority through whatever it yeah. is. And then he controls everything. Yeah. And so then Ah, <laughs> uh, I'm I mean I'm already tired. <laughs> <laughs> I'm already tired talking about it. It's like so then uh So then people applied this to human beings, specifically men. Yeah. And they're like 
men also there are alphas and there are betas and the definition of an alpha is that he's charismatic like um how would how would you describe an alpha like someone loud charismatic mm-hmm. you know who is invest into their appearance yeah and uh, ceo type person you know the cto is a cuck beta male bitch <laughs> the ceo is alpha it's like yeah. that yeah the cmo is an alpha on cocaine <laughs> <laughs> so yeah that that was what an alpha is and if you're not an alpha you're a beta there's only two categories so no other thing is here and one thing is that nobody's born an alpha we're mm. all born as betas mm. and mm. then you become an alpha yeah so you can you choose how it is mm. and it, and if you think about it it has to be the case because if you can't choose then why are you going to buy my product <laughs> so, <laughs> like if you're born a bitch more you know <laughs> nothing going to help you <laughs> but like no you can be an alpha if you just buy alpha brains yeah. <laughs> so that was alpha and then so that was the, that was the status quo for a while and a bunch of youtube channels like old school ones also have established themselves as like this is where you learn how to be an alpha and shit okay okay but then the problem is okay the real problem is that none of this is real okay that's the actual issue the, the actual issue is that that's fucking bullshit neither do wolf packs work like that and even if they did it has no bearing on how human beings work mm. you know so so then this uh, suddenly you know a bunch of guys realize that like see dude obviously like i'm not a beta okay, <laughs> okay. but then they realize hmm but the thing is alpha doesn't apply to me because mm. i'm not charismatic uh, i don't have that many friends mm. uh, most people find me a little annoying mm. and uh, by choice i'm a loner okay by choice damn it like it's because people can't handle my fucking honesty okay you fucking it's like i choose to be a lone wolf zed I'm a lone wolf, okay. Yeah. So they realize that neither label applies to them. They're basically like alphas who are annoying as shit and no, who are loners. So then they created a new category, and they did this in a very clever way. It's like you know the the pyramid of like betas and like alphas mm-hmm. and like the whole thing. They made like uh, a double sided arrow on on the alpha position and be like, there's another thing called sigma, which is outside <laughs> the pyramid. <laughs> <laughs> this is outside the hierarchy mm. this is a separate category of sigma males who are alphas that are just basically loners so like sigma males don't like invest in their dressing sense or what not like mark zuckerberg is a sigma male of course yeah mm. so every all the characteristics of an alpha but not charismatic can't talk to save his fucking life mm. you know looks weird mm. <laughs> so yeah so now on youtube is there's just a war between alpha males and sigma males cuz these established alpha male channels hmm are like no there's no other option either you're a beta fucking cuck bitch or you buy my products and you're an alpha there's hmm. no other option and sigma males are like nah dude sigma males and alpha males it's two different kinds the same thing like you know this different fucking no but they're also like sigma males are like better actually okay you know like and then they give advice in that sense and all that and they're just warring with each other i saw like a video like this just before coming here just to the balls the title of the video was why sigma males are hotter oh my god dude yeah. this life sounds so miserable dude it's like if you have to spend all your time thinking about where you are in a social hierarchy yeah. that sounds depressing <sighs> fuck and then it's also like you know how to uh, reje- how to 
repel low quality women as a sigma male ah oh, fuck that really does sound depressing dude yes sir it depressing and i feel like a lot of online culture is all centered around what you should deem what should be deemed as either high quality or low quality either in a person or in a woman yeah and i just feel like that's really dumb like you it's very hard to determine what is high quality without surrounding context do you know what i mean but but religion though okay what about religion that just simply tells what to do no it doesn't tell you that if you're a manager you should worship god it's like you shut the fuck up and worship god like it's general rules so i think they're doing the same thing they're making the new bible but i'm just saying that those rules make sense when you don't want to think at all because the second you start thinking and think about like your environment your context mm-hmm. the situation you're in you'll realize that okay these rules don't make sense to me right now at this point my answer is this is beta talk <laughs> <laughs> you haven't realized your inner alpha or sigma yet said that's why you're talking like this oh, these rules apply man. everywhere when you go to your work what do you see low quality women when you go <laughs> when you go to the club low quality women when you go there low quality women bro fuck this makes me so glad i'm out of my 20s yeah. fuck me yeah cuz i remember like reading this shit online and being like oh yeah like cool mm. this is the thing mm. i mean i never really tried to become an alpha or whatever it is mm. but i remember watching because i remember before andrew tate there were like a bunch of other people mm. and it was always the salesmen who were alphas yeah yeah right mm. and i don't know i could just i never really understood it but in the back of my head i was always like okay you know what maybe there's something here yeah and now i'm just like fuck there's nothing there like i don't even know where to begin with them like i don't yeah. i don't even know where to start i feel like everybody who's following them online is probably like a teenager for sure actually like arushi was saying that uh, her cousin male cousin who's younger than her suddenly her mom like arushi's mom messaged her saying that what do you know about andrew tate <laughs> and she showed me the message i was like why is your mom asking about mm. this and she's like apparently that cousin she has has started her her, her mom found out that he's become a fan of him so yeah. his mom arushi's mom and arushi are now like worried about the situation I so mean, so i told them this and the last thing you should do is tell him anything about it yeah that's definitely that's the, the last, last thing. thing all three of you ganging up on him is going to make him the further into way that, worse yeah, yeah. this low quality women are trying to tell me <laughs> <laughs> My mom low quality dude. <laughs> Man, I cannot believe Antutity is taking off amongst like Indian kids because uh-huh. that means they're just not being smacked hard enough. Like clearly, like imagine yeah. if an Indian kid went up to his mom and called her by her name, huh. and not like mummy. That's something he says over. I think that's uh, something like white kids in America do, who are followers of Antutity. Like they call their moms by their names. Holy Christ. Yeah. Can you imagine the shit storm that would have gone down if we'd done that at home? What would happen if you did that? Oh. Dude. <laughs> I would have been smacked instant, across the instant. Off the octagon <laughs> rise from the floor. No, they would have built a hell in the cell in the middle of the living room. <laughs> like straight up. <laughs> like straight up. Like in the middle. They would, I would have been mankind. Just yeah. I would have been thrown off the top. Fuck. 
the thing is like andrew tate to me is so obviously a scam artist yeah i don't even think he's trying to hide it at this point yeah no like, he's doing a good job of trying to hide it mm. but it's so obvious that like you're like he i don't know how he could go to court and say i'm not trying to traffic women <laughs> like he gives courses on how to manipulate women and trap them and you know have an abusive relationship wow yeah like he has a step by step process like make them delete all their contacts with their friends and family remove their support system make them financially dependent only on you they don't spend any of their own money ever only your money is being spent. like it's it's a step by step guide on how to manipulate a woman into just getting mind fucked that's fucking crazy dude. like i don't know i don't know what his lawyers are going to say in court i really don't know like right yeah. now all i'm thinking is like it seems like when you're in your 20s online you're sold on this idea that here are these tips and tricks to get women into bed with you uh-huh. and i'm so sure in the 30s like we're going to be sold like here are here is what you need to do to become a good father to be a good husband oh that already is there yeah andrew tate is already in there oh he's already started that yeah, it's it's all the same thing right being a father husband all that i mean being a f- yeah. good father a good husband is very different from being able to get women into bed those are oh, like two completely oh, different things those, those, I, i can see that yeah yeah hmm. oh yeah that space already exists mm how to you know a proper dad and what not my oh the question is when all these alpha sigma youtubers become dads mm. like dude what is the sigma dad grants it yeah. i don't take my kids to camp like <laughs> we live in the forest <laughs> yeah dude I, that's why i just feel like it's i do i don't know how you can sell that stuff online knowing what you're doing like how do you live with yourself at that point like you, these guys know what they're selling they're not oblivious to it yeah yeah I, i'm Oh yeah, with regards to Andrew Tate, I know for a fact he know he knows his bullshitting. I know it for a fact, you know how? How? He your mom's house podcast first discovered him. Oh, when he was just a random fucking rage baiter uh-huh. on TikTok and all that, he I, was placed on your mom's house. He was pretty popular even before that. Like he came on your mom's house last year, right? No, 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 no. no. Then this is like 2015 16 types oh that yeah. old when he was just like starting like one or two clips of him went viral oh and wow. your mom's specializes in like finding these kind of people hashtag cool guys yeah. who say a bunch of shit about women they always play clips of them and cuz this is hilarious so he was there okay. and they invited him on he was a guest very early way before he became famous okay it's very obvious he he was playing a role Wow. It was so obvious he doesn't mean what he's saying. Mm. His videos also there are ah yeah I remember the first clip that became viral. It's like women should clean the house unprompted. <laughs> I shouldn't have to tell you to clean the house. That's just how it is. Mm. And do, do I do you have to ask me to pay the bill? <laughs> you have to ask me to fucking pay the rent? Huh? You have to ask me to like fucking who's going to get the check at dinner? No, I do it unprompted. So you should clean the house unprompted. <laughs> Like that was the first clip of his, and he shot it in like a place that was well furnished. That people assumed is his house, and there were there was a chick in the background who was um, cleaning up. So it uh, you know like it was like oh that's yeah, his bitch. Yeah, yeah. 
that's his bitch in the back it got revealed later that that's a studio ah he shot it in a studio and when he was on your mom's as a guest very early on way before he became misogynistic famous and all that that level what he is now it was very clear that he was playing a part he didn't say it explicitly but it was, it was obvious you would walk away being like he's just a rage baiter who's getting clicks that's all then when i found then when i started he you know i started finding out that he's become this misogynist icon i was like wait a second what happened what happened in the last two years that i missed mm. like suddenly it's like oh wait does he believe what he's saying now like has he pivoted into like life advice like of how you know mm. the war room and what not all that bullshit i was yeah. like oh no he's he's made this into like a business like fuck i mean i'm sure that was always his intention from the beginning yeah and when he talks also when he when he's genuinely talking about a topic you can tell he's intelligent he is smart yeah he's a pretty, he's a pretty smart yeah. guy also do you know about his muslim angle also oh yeah he became muslim or something right that i'm not sure i thought he was always muslim no i think he adopted the religion oh and yeah he's so he's all about that like he's uh, that's actually something i've seen lately online where there's a bunch of these alpha male sigma grindset guys yeah. who have all started saying that islam is the way forward because that uh preaches the right religious tenets and that's fucking hilarious given all the back i think they picked the community that was feeling marginalized uh-huh. over the last couple of decades mm. and they said yeah like this is going to be our playground like this is where we're going to find like the biggest supporters hmm that makes sense it could also it could also like be that uh, they wanted to go to a place where it's a blind spot for the left ah possible yeah yeah because the left likes to pretend that the islamic world isn't misogynistic yeah yeah so actually yeah, if you think about it like young very religious muslim men are more likely to be like yeah women are bitches dude for mm. sure <laughs> uh yeah maybe Yeah, unfortunately I don't know too many religious muslim men anymore. Hmm. So I can't uh as the yeah. Yeah. Okay, which religion uh, disrespects women more? Islam or Hinduism? In modern culture and tradition or just like historically? Like right now. Oh, like right now. Right now. Uh probably Islam. Hinduism also isn't the right word. Basically like India versus Middle East misogyny yeah. challenge who wins. Oh, India versus Middle East is tough, bro. Yeah. I mean, Middle East is more obviously misogynistic. Yeah. Like But they I tell you to like cover up. Like in the Middle East marital rape exists, but like normal rape is not very common, I think. In India marital rape also exists. Yeah, but in India normal rape also is rampant. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, that's a But I mean, if you're avoiding rape by telling women they can't step out without a male bodyguard, yeah, does that really count? I'm a results oriented. Let's just lock up all the women in India at home for a year and be like, look at our rape statistics. They are, yeah. they are at zero. <laughs> okay, they're at one percent. They're just men yeah. raping each other now. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the real misogynist will be like, guys. The answer is. 
why do women have the right to go outside <laughs> that's the real misogynistic ah, answer see what all happens to all these feminists going outside yeah, yeah. okay then yeah middle east is definitely more misogynistic hmm. india is actually so i think indian culture and hinduism in general has had like a long tradition of worshiping like feminine femininity <sighs> That's a good point. That's a they good have point. they have like a really long history of that. That is a good point. In a- fact, at least there is a divine feminine concept. Yeah, there is yeah. a very strong concept of that, and yeah. I think you can see that like throughout Hinduism, even in like the ancient te- uh, not the ancient texts, like the stories mm-hmm. um, of uh, I'm trying to think, like the two most famous stories I know, which is the Mahabharata and Ramayana. Women mm-hmm. don't really play a role except for like a damsel in distress kind of situation. Even in Mahabharata, also. Mahabharata also like what it's mostly about the five Pandava brothers and the hundred Kaurava brothers okay. women the only part of that where a woman plays into it is when so the five Pandava brothers have one wife for sure oh, wow. yeah they are, they're all married to the same woman it's a polycule yeah but it's a polycule <laughs> which is one woman so yeah I think polycule is like multiple guys and girls in like one situation oh, right okay so they have one wife I think called Draupadi and she gets stripped mm-hmm. in front of her husbands yeah because they lose her in a game of dice so they bet her in a game of dice and they lose her to the king of the kauravas mm-hmm. and he asks one of his brothers to strip her in front of everyone huh. and then he asks her to sit on his lap huh. and that's apparently so in that game of dice they also the king of the pandavas loses his kingdom huh. but it's that stripping of her that molestation of her that really kicks off the war between the two kingdoms so there also it's kind of like a damsel in distress situation as a financial advice as a fiduciary <laughs> body like much like you have one wife why are you betting her <laughs> <laughs> the ratio is abysmal as to why are you betting your one chick yeah this is the mahabharata yeah this is the mahabharata this I- is the mahabharata I mean I haven't read the original text but this is like the translation of it yeah that's basically what happens Draupadi gets stripped and then that ignites the war that eventually starts Shit I've not watched the manga I've not read the manga for <laughs> what yeah and even Ramayana is about Sita getting kidnapped and Ram trying to rescue her ha huh, that at least one bad guy kidnapped and all this is what da like fucking <laughs> shit snake eyes like fucking <laughs> yeah but i mean in both stories i don't think like the woman really does anything okay but there are a lot of goddesses in indian culture yeah, yeah the there's a lot more subdivisions where you know yeah. things might be different yeah, yeah. yeah. and the, i think uh, hinduism genuinely does have the concept of the divine feminine which i don't think exists at all in islam like the concept itself is not there like you're told to worship your mother hmm. but that's about it you like you're taught to respect her okay yeah but you're taught to respect a mother not just a woman yeah 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 and i think that's a big difference hmm yeah the bible also for sure the virgin mary and all that like the highest thing a woman can do is be a mother yeah there's no like architect and all that like <laughs> <laughs> just architect mary there's nothing there's there's no mention of interior design in the bible <laughs> Because that's what all the women are doing. <laughs> Interior designing. Yes, sir. This is all. The Bible says those are hobbies. <laughs> yeah. What the fuck? But then... 
even without the american feminist revolutions no europe is still how did europe get such you know they weren't so bad in women's rights as other religions like uh sorry i didn't catch that what like i feel european women even before the feminist revolutions in america were much closer Further to ahead yeah closer yeah. to men yeah i really don't know i think maybe what happens is the more prosperous a nation the less of a divide between the two genders and europe was always oh. historically a prosperous you nation you try to slap your wife and the money is in your hand yeah. is from the <laughs> Yeah. And I mean even <laughs> the money got in the way of the, the money slap. is not letting me slam my wife. Anyway, I guess I'll just chill. <laughs> yeah, I guess if you're well fed uh, and you're happy, there's just less reason to like be full of rage. Oh, interesting. Okay. If I went back to 1500s Europe. Oh, yeah. I think women are getting absolutely butt fucked then probably. Yeah, yeah. But like even in the US I think the women's rights only really came up after the second world war when America started prospering because the feminist the second wave of feminism hit America then no but apparently it also happened because in the second world war because there were a lack of men women were told to go out and work in the factories and That they started in America yeah and they started making their own income and yeah. then they became like financially less dependent they wanted to they wanted to keep it that way when they came back yeah yeah So I don't know maybe that happened already in Europe at some point I was telling Arshi this yesterday like <laughs> what do others have heard no we, this 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 thing came up how women uh, the reason why they went into the workforce uh-huh. first wave feminism was clearly about voting rights mm-hmm. and it was constitutionalist like the constitution doesn't specify that we don't have the right so what the fuck is going on yeah the second wave was like all the men were busy being thrown into the meat grinder in uh, you know the eastern front and western front in world war 2 so the factory still had to run mm. the women started working so if you think about it no the second wave of feminism because of capitalism why is the second wave of feminism because of capitalism to keep the capitalistic machine running they put ah. them in the factories but it was more because of the world war right that's what that's what really prompted it hmm, but like the reason ah yeah that is there but like they could have shut down the factories right they had to keep it running okay that's what you mean capitalism didn't care mm, who mm. worked in there yeah yeah that's a fair point mm. yeah and then i think what is considered the third wave is the 60s and all that where it was more mm. behavioral in nature okay yeah like equality and jobs and uh, didn't women only get the right to vote in like the 60s or 70s huh? no da. then no 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 it was before that when did they get the right to vote i think new zealand was the first country no no in the us in the us 1910 1910 yeah i think so really yeah i thought that only happened after the second world war no 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 i think the suffragettes were before the world wars let's check when did women get right to vote usa Oh yeah you're right 1920. Hmm. Wow. Okay. That's been quite a while then yeah. Yeah. I was under the impression it happened like just before the civil rights movement. No, no they had the right to vote then enter the workforce hmm. and then the third wave I believe was behaviorally and 
systemat- systemically oriented it was like we want to be treated equal in jobs and all that we mm. want equal treatment in terms of how you treat a man like why should i get passed up for a ceo position just because i'm a woman like mm. it's all the same and then it it, it was i've learned that it's it's very difficult to it's very easy to conflate the two but the sexual revolution was adjacent to the third wave feminism movement it's not the same thing okay because there was also a big sexual revolution going on at the time in the 70s yeah because mm. i think uh, yeah people were just banging like it was all just experimentation lsd all that shit was happening this counterculture to the puritanism of america was going on in the 60s when were contraceptives invented I think around the same time but no yeah. one was using them. Oh, <laughs> so that didn't matter. So ah. yeah. I was under the impression that because condoms were invented around that time like there were less repercussions for women. I think women. it was there no one was using. <laughs> yeah. That was an factor in it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Oh no no no. I think uh, birth control was a huge thing. Mm. I think birth control yeah. was, was somewhere in the 60s 70s. So I think that had a big effect because for the first time in the history of the earth a species artificially gain control of its reproduction mm if you think about it it's a, it's a huge thing like i think birth control will be in the in the book of humanity there should be a chapter on that like yeah 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 that's pretty crazy actually if you really think about in the grand scheme it's it's fucking insane yeah yeah cuz now you can do this really pleasurable thing without paying any price for it or well mm. not a 9 month long prize or in a more abstract way you've gained control of your reproductive system yeah it's now in a up to you to decide when to utilize it crude way you're turning it on and off yeah at your will that's actually pretty impressive yeah so i think that was a huge thing mm and and then then the now the fourth wave is we are yet to figure out what they what they want <laughs> it's still unclear <laughs> <laughs> yo is it true that in the us now there's like a bunch of lonely men who are like in their late 20s early 30s with like no job prospects no real agenda to their life no ability to like live on their own i think there's uh, i think there's roughly two and a half things there one is regardless of gender uh people in their 20s 30s men and women are generally feeling more lonelier okay feeling more lonely and also it's reported that people are having fewer friends mm. the number of friends the number of people number of uh, people that you would consider a close friend has been reducing over over decades in america mm. so that's one thing so there is a loneliness epidemic you know you know regardless of gender an additional layer is that specifically men the percentage of them who are who are considered there's a term called neet n w e t okay that this is what you are referring to it's any n w e t means not in education um engineering not in not in education something else or teaching or training rather okay no oh yeah not in employment education or training oh okay like, okay okay yeah you're not in a school you're not doing a job nothing like mm. so the number of people who qual- who qualify in this bracket have been increasing and majority of them are men yeah and that's why people like andrew tate and these alpha sigma grind set people are popular this is a whole population of 
lost men who mm. are just who never had father figures properly or they had bad father figures and there is a claim okay i don't know if i fully support this claim i i don't know how i feel about it but there is a claim being made that because media became so obsessed with feminism that a whole generation of men were never taught how to behave i mean that kind of implies that men had to learn how to behave from media media is very strong like mm okay maybe yeah yeah i mean if it's not then the entire fourth wave feminism is in the in the dumpster because <laughs> their whole claim is that we want to see more female directors yeah the representation matters okay. 70% of the argument is that yeah so, whatever so then um yeah it's even referenced in there's a movie where it's um Anne Hathaway and Robert De Niro and it's called the internship or something the intern the intern yeah in that movie it's referenced where Anne Hathaway is the CEO of the company yeah Robert De Niro is an old school guy yeah who's useful and learning his way in this new world and all the men in that company are all like beta cuck bitches oh yeah they are i remember that yeah yeah see the casting also adam divine soft pudgy face like mm. you know and then there's it's even referenced directly in the movie where Anne Hathaway is like you know when you know in all the talk about women's empowerment i think we you know we kind of forgot about like men <laughs> and all three of them in a very like very yeah. passively agreeing to it so there is some claim being made that but i don't fully subscribe to this i don't think that makes sense because i think yeah. part of being a man is just get over it Yeah, I feel like if there's one central tenet to manhood, yeah, it's that dude. Just fucking figure it out. Yeah, just get over it and figure it out. Yeah. Like even if you don't have a father figure, even if you don't, whatever, yeah, like libraries exist, books exist. Yeah, I think as like a man, you're just expected to never ever say like, "Look at the hand I got dealt." Yeah, yeah. Like I mean, regardless of how true it is, mm. you just never have the right to ever say that. You could have at least opened the Bible. yeah what i mean i'm just saying that i feel like it's men and women who are dealt the same hand are treated differently if you got dealt a poor hand as a dude the onus is on more on you i think just because you're a guy yeah you're, you're just expected to figure things out or maybe that's just the way that's just the culture i was brought up in mm-hmm. maybe it's different now i don't know it doesn't seem like it though honestly No, now society is so fractured. You can go into pockets where things change. Okay. Like you can go into a pocket of place where it's normal for men also to complain about the decar, the hand they've dealt, mm. the hand they've been dealt, and then you go to Texas and be like, dude, like, <laughs> can you shut up about your feelings for like two seconds, like? Yeah. Yeah. So I don't full. I don't. I don't see that claim. Like and. And the way I see the world is like, if you're a woman, you have a space. You you have a glass ceiling. Like in the mm. in the old patriarchy, there's a glass ceiling and a glass floor. So by design, there's a whole percentage of men below that glass floor who are who should be lost, who are lost. Yeah. Yeah. So usually those people would just be going into a meat grinder, just be stuffed into cannons and exploded, you know, or just. vagabonds vagrants mm. homeless people like who gives a shit about them yeah. like i think the system is designed to constantly like flush out bad male genes
again that f- i don't know dude i mean that phrasing of flushing out bad male genes mm-hmm. uh, that implies like your life circumstances didn't affect you to such a degree that your genes couldn't overcome it sorry i didn't fully follow your life circumstances didn't affect you to such a degree huh. that your genes couldn't overcome it that is whatever genetics you were dealt should yeah. have o- managed to overcome any life sub- circumstances hmm. which we know is not the case yeah i mean uh, this system is not i never claimed it to be fair now i'm saying if you're talking about flushing out poor male genes hmm. i think what we have now is the opposite of that No, no, I disagree with that. It's like whatever the system is, whatever the environment. Oh, male genes have to find a way to flourish. Figure it out. Whatever works, works. Whatever doesn't work, doesn't work. There's no excuse. You can't bargain with nature. Hmm. If it works, it works. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. Sorry, dude. Like it's. I just think we're no longer bargaining with nature, though. We're bargaining with something that's entirely man-made at this point. Oh, completely disagree. Yeah. yeah. it's it's very it's it's very big hubris to claim that we have somehow separated from nature we are all we are, it's all with this this is just a plastic metal ant colony mm. nothing different is happening it's all the same only no dude i feel like we have separated from nature to a large extent oh. because if you think about like our lifestyle and the way we live our lives mm. it has nothing to do with the environment we were accustomed to for like thousands of years if that's not what separating from nature is then i don't know what it really means to separate from nature at all if we've reached a point where we can pop a pill and change our reproductive cycle mm. that's like the definition of separating from your nature but how is that not just tool usage like because if tool usage is affecting your biological rhythms yeah i don't think you can just say it's tool usage anymore But then, like a crow using a a twig to get food. Yeah, but that's not affecting its biological life cycle. Mm. Like, for instance, the fact that we have screens on us at all times, which could lead to people needing glasses more and more, is literally affecting your biology. It's not a tool you're using anymore. Yeah, but animals also do random shit to affect their biology. Like some people's, uh, some animals, their reproductive cycle is completely external. they have no control over it like their body doesn't regulate it okay. the water temperature gets hot and they're fertile like you know like that kind of shit hmm. the reason i say that we'll never prop nothing we do is not nature okay the reason i say that is because whether it's an ai or whether it's a you yourself making a decision a gooey flesh bag inside your skull is doing it no the way a house looks the way you build your phone the setting that you put the dick vibrator flashlight while mm. watching pornhub is all decided by a gooey thing in your brain okay that is still nature until you separate consciousness from that biological thing even if you do also i'd somewhat argue that because the origin was biological it's never truly not biological but it's it's always going to be attached to nature 4.3 billion years of evolution are still inside your head just because you're watching succession now doesn't mean it's different in a we have just created the most extravagant way to do the same thing baboons are doing which is just yo my sperm is the best
one more analogy is like it's like saying computers don't use computers are separate from physics at the end of the day you're moving electrons i mean okay let's leave the analogy aside because analysis are hard to ever discuss completely mm-hmm. but i'm just thinking about the situation where look like for example in india hmm. um the environment that's been set up for like men to get married at a certain age hmm. is not meritocratic by any means yeah so if it's not meritocratic we are not saying that the best genes are surviving the gene pool it uh, to some extent it's low level meritocracy okay the merit is that uh, did you not die and you're 22 okay fine let's get married like but you not dying and living past 22 if it had nothing to do with your ability what is it really telling you luck luck yeah i mean a lot of this half of survival is luck almost. no but if so much of it is just about luck hmm. then the concept of meritocracy doesn't come into it if some part of it is luck sure but like in today's world you don't actually have to do that much to like live past a certain age yeah nowadays you don't ah, but the tradition came from where a time when you would have nine kids and three would make it to 25 and the decision anyway it's not really a decision mm. it's like you had nine kids mm. three of them are marriage age you're going to get all three married no like what else no i'm talking about today's day and age what it hmm. takes for like let's say an indian yeah, man a, to get married yeah it's a vestige of that time only like the concept that everyone has to be married uh, so i i don't know in my head i feel like we are in this transitional phase where we're figuring out what it means to live in a society with like 7 billion people on the planet hmm. versus like less than half of that in let's say maybe 100 years ago hmm. or even 50 years ago and i just feel like with this increase in population like what it means to what meritocracy is is just different and i feel like it'll take us a few decades to figure that out i feel like we're still in a transitional phase now where population has exploded and we're just moving into that new world where we still don't know what exactly is meritocratic and what isn't because by that logic just being in school and just doing whatever you're told to do is meritocratic but i don't really agree with that because it doesn't mean that the best genes are surviving which is why that whole uh, i disagree with that notion that the poor genes are getting flushed out because i still don't know what that means right oh, the intention is for poor genes to get flushed out ha huh. us corrupting the system and doing the wrong thing is a different story but then we have separated from nature no nature also species decide to flourish the wrong genes and fucking die all the time like peak male peacocks having those large tails is fucking retarded actually I'm just saying that no matter how many wrong decisions we make I don't think we'll just die as a species. Oof. I I don't think so yeah. No 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 that's, that's I feel like all these low level wrong decisions that are made for a long long time I feel like humanity will survive past no, it. The proof that that's not true is that we have been seconds away from annihilating the planet already. Like the cold war happened. Mm. You you were this close to never being born. We were almost there. We have the ability to destroy ourselves. I don't know, dude. I think we've passed like a certain frontier. Of what? Um, like you're saying, we are immune to not surviving now. Like, I, I, you mean immune to not dying? Immune to not dying, yeah. As a species, yeah. I don't think we we will ever like truly annihilate ourselves as a species now. But how can you say that when we've almost done it? And by pure like. 
one person in the ussr mm. because of his common sense mm. you are alive like we almost did that several times it's happened multiple times that we've destroyed ourselves and even in cultures like we come from the indian culture mm. that fucking uh, uncontacted tribe in andaman nicobar islands no yeah like they could wipe themselves out anytime like they're so fucking stupid and like cultures rise and fall all the time species rise and fall all the time species rise and fall because of like a meteor might hit okay and but then some learn to survive in that they mm. chose traits that are more adaptable to some apocalypse event mm. which made them survive but even regardless of that like peacocks through sexual selection the male peacocks are being selected for having a large those that plumage mm. right which is why we like peacocks but that sexual selection has the adverse effect of making them better prey for predators so there's this balance going on and if the balance gets imbalanced and peacocks will go extinct there won't be enough male peacocks left i feel like taking the argument of like an animal living in the wild and trying to compare that to modern society it i feel like it oversimplifies it because if you look at like modern society and like the kind of jobs you have in the work we do to survive hmm. it isn't like any significant meritocratic system that requires the best genes to rise to the top it just requires just being which isn't what nature is about nature is not about status stasis nature is just about constant change all the time and when you have continents like europe who are coming in and placing regulations on like ai for instance hmm. saying that look we this is going to be like a massive disruptor and we don't know how it's going to affect people hmm. so we're going to like regulate it now and then slowly see mm-hmm. now ideally in the in a perfect world you would see the european culture die out because they were too slow to adapt to change hmm. but i realistically i don't think that's going to happen because they're too large as a continent they figured out like large scale collaboration and i feel like that's where this argument falls apart because we figured out such large scale collaboration that that kind of annihilation those the analogy of nature of like this peacock who develops this beautiful plume which becomes like a mark for predators an easy hunt I don't think those analogies translate one to one anymore just because of the level we are collaborating at when an entire continent can say okay you know what this change is too crazy we're not going to allow it to move forward for a while mm. which is essentially what they're saying yeah yeah we're going to allow we are going to allow people to slowly adapt to this over time mm. nature has nothing like that there is no equivalent to that in nature to allow change to progress slowly over time to artificially slow the rate of progress but we actually can do that now and only because we have such large scale collaboration no, happening yeah, we are the best but i'm saying we are so good that we have created like in something that's separate from like what just nature is that's what i'm saying no nah, i think you are properly having a curious moment like a what moment a curious moment like you're maybe yeah this is this is i think this is the definition of hubris like to think that you are you, you know the humanity is safe from annihilation maybe but i just feel no, but like what do you say about the point that we have almost done it it almost did happen like the fo- you heard of the fallout video games no <clears throat> the basic the premise is that the cold war never stopped mm. and eventually everyone nuked themselves <clears throat> and now you're living in this post-apocalyptic world. Hmm. So now you have the concept of like, oh, all these cultures were wrong. 
like ev- humanity's progress is you can't view it with a rosy lens anymore mm. because it led to this like we fucked up and so in the in the post apocalyptic world there's a faction that's doing some random shit and there's a faction that's trying to reestablish america okay so you would you would naturally because you're a real person in the real world you'd gravitate towards the america faction but then you realize no wait in that world this faction caused the apocalypse mm. so it's like we have we've almost done that like our values almost led to the apocalypse and it still can anytime viruses <sighs> nuclear explosions economic collapse like climate disasters we could any a meteor could strike us right now a meteor striking us has nothing to do with our values it has nothing to do with, with what we are doing no of course it does no it doesn't how we are rotating we, on a planet we choose to not consider that a problem you can choose to be worried about it and you know have our values uh, no dude something that random uh, annihilating us i don't think i would consider that a problem with our values regardless of how perfect our values are that doesn't mean you can account for every tiny little thing that happens you can have the perfect value system mm. and still be wiped out that's just chance no but you're not getting my point ha huh. there are two cultures one culture decides to value the existential threat of a meteor or a solar okay. flare mm. and so they adapt to it they have things to protect themselves from that they spend resources on underground bunkers rather than tree tops my point is that you can't adapt to every single possible thing that might go wrong we are talking about mm. meteors and solar flares yeah. because we know about them but i'm saying if we're talking about like some existential level threat mm. that we don't even know about yeah. there is no point debating that about how our values might affect that yeah that's the luck part correct but i'm yeah. saying our values have nothing to do with the luck we can have the perfect value system and luck might still wipe us out Hmm. So fine we're talking about I'm saying put meteors and solar flares in that category because we're talking about these one off events hmm. which I don't think accurately reflect the value system most of us live with every day the value system we have to live no, with no, is how I'm not claiming they do okay I'm claiming that us choosing you're you're choosing not to consider that a threat like fuck it how can we account for that yeah but actually we can we can live a way that accounts for it I know to see this is again one of those very theoretical things that sounds nice to say but in the realistic world I feel like the things that are worth talking about are the ones that might go wrong every day not the things that go wrong once and then wipe out the entire culture mm-hmm. and the things that can go wrong every day I feel like we've moved past those things flushing out the bad genes from our gene pools mm-hmm. like you're taking this to the extreme of saying there's this one off event that can wipe out the entire existence of humanity mm-hmm. I'm talking more more about like the everyday things showing um meritocracy in everyday things in everyday decisions mm-hmm. that affect the course of your life that affect bad genes being flushed out of the gene pool mm-hmm. I think we've separated from that if you are born rich mm-hmm. you can make like a large number of bad decisions mm-hmm. but technically that you shouldn't be allowed that you will still probably have kids you shouldn't be allowed what that many number of bad decisions okay. in an Amer- in a meritocratic system yeah. and even beyond that the fact that we reproduce at the ages of between 20 to 30 but we tend to show um what's the word for it we t- we tend to show symptoms of disease later on in life mm-hmm. which allowed certain genes to progress into our gene pool mm-hmm. is actually a symbol that i feel like the way we've pro- diverged from nature is pretty evident 
because otherwise you wouldn't have so many genes prof- proliferating into the gene pool which show later progress of like type 2 diabetes or alzheimers and that's because the mortality rate has gone down so significantly i'm i'm still not getting why you consider this separate from nature like we're just if if i would put your argument in my words we're just making bad natural selection decisions but the fact that we can make nat- bad natural selection decisions means that we've separated from nature the fact that we even have the ability to do that okay uh, that opens up another thing of like what do you mean make a decision because you didn't decide to set up cbse yet you participated in it so what do you mean make a decision um at some point there was some small group of people who just made a decision and the effects of that decision have propagated throughout huh that's it it was a poor decision huh. but because i feel like we've separated from nature so much those poor decisions can propagate and we can continue and nothing will happen yeah that's the same in the animal kingdom what is the difference no in the animal kingdom if you make a bad decision like you said those gene pools are filtered out very quickly no yeah no, not filtered out quickly uh, what do you mean by quickly uh decades no i'm not claiming quickly so Then? like what do you mean by quickly quickly as in like i would say like decades sure if we put a timeline in it i would say within like a decade or two you would find out whether something was working in that gene pool or not but i think like in our current system huh. you can make bad decisions and have them proliferate yeah. for a very long yeah, time yeah but the peacock analogy hmm. goes against it because they've had this flamboyant plumage for hundreds and thousands millions but then of it's years. clearly helping them mate right which means there is some positive effect to it yours ha huh. there is a positive effect there's mm. also a negative effect but the positive outweighs the negative which is why they've been allowed to flourish clearly otherwise they would have died out yeah but it could get worse that's the thing it, like their natural selection and artificial and not artificial sexual selection mm. are fighting against each other okay so if sex, if one of the if one or the other overtakes it then the whole thing changes yeah that's fine but the fact that they've survived for as long as they have means that the positives do outweigh the negatives for them if you include both natural selection and sexual selection which you have to not for the male the case why others they would have died out no how are they surviving then oh so you're saying that's a, that's a uh, that is the test that's a stasis they've reached a stasis there no no i'm not saying they've reached the stasis i'm mm-hmm. saying that the test in nature of whether something is successful or not is if it survives because there are no artificial barriers there's nothing else over there the test of if in nature if something is successful is if it survives if it survives if it survives yeah i'm hesitant to use the word successful why i mean you have to have some measure of success to say anything about anything in nature right why do you have to have a measure of success Okay otherwise what does it mean to say the poor genes get filtered out the genes that are not suited to be survive to survive yeah unsuccessful i just said whatever successful is what survives and you said the same thing yeah but the peacock plumage has nothing to do with the natural selection part of this it's it has to do with arti- sexual selection it's purely artificially constructed sexually by female peacocks you know preferring it but i'm saying that these Wait, what do you mean by artificially constructed? Like the only reason they have that plumage is to reproduce. Sure. It, it has no benefit anywhere else. But what does it mean to say artificially constructed? It's a part of their social construct. 
like peacocks have a social construct and uh, that's become a genetic construct which is like for some reason plumage is better or who the fuck knows i don't know if i'd call it an artificial construct because for that that would imply that there was some conscious decision like for example if we had like an artificial womb i would say that's an artificial construct okay then if hmm. i i don't think that would be an artificial construct it's just something that they chose for whatever reason i'm not saying it has to be logically sound hmm. a decision was made the reason i bring the plumage is because it's it's something that has 100% negative survival trait hmm. and only like sexual plus selection plus one sexual trait that's why i bring it up but maybe the weightage of that sexual selection is higher than the negative of the survival rate yeah which is why they're still alive now it's hard to say because they're endangered what not i mean if it survived for this long uh, see again that's another thing you have to take into consideration that we've also helped them artificially survive hmm. and we've done the same thing with pandas hmm. so i feel like we when we can exert that much influence over nature um we have created like an artificial construct that's separate from it and i feel like that's also one of the reasons we don't necessarily see the effects of bad decisions for a very 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 long time but it still happens but it happens at such a slow rate that how can you say that it's not separate from nature because the whole the uh, for me when i think about nature i think about like faster feedback loops when you slowed the feedback loop this is completely wrong no like why? Sh- sharks have been here for millions of years but they've survived for that long what does that have to do with a slow feedback loop of negative consequences like it will take a long time they they've been on the apex for so long correct that like like nature is anything but fast it's so slow mm. no dude i'm talking about like negative feedback loops having fast feedback cycles okay i disagree that in nature that it's fast it takes oh. ages to show up no dude i think if there's a very clear negative feed negative trait that shows back shows up quickly in feedback loops I guess this is the core of our disagreement then I, I yeah I think nature acts fairly quickly when there is a negative because it hmm. shows very quickly very obviously you either survive or you don't hmm in our world I don't think that's the case at all oh I would argue in nature things also take ages to sort themselves out yeah no I I don't think so I think if something has been at the top for a very long time in nature it's there for a reason and it's not like there's some very slow feedback loop going on that's going to show at some point oh no i would say that's the case like if they have something negative in them it might not we might not know until millions of years later uh, hold on you're saying something negative in them i'm talking about the negatives outweighing the positives in them i don't understand the sentence then you're talking about one singular negative trait in them yeah i'm not talking about one singular negative trait for example like the way sh- uh, sharks teeth are angled huh. if we call that a negative trait huh. i'm not talking about one thing i'm saying overall when you take all of their traits huh. those have a higher positive weighted sum okay you are, but you are saying okay if they have one negative trait that will take a very long time to show up and lead to their extinction which yeah. is fine yeah. i'm talking about if they have an overall weighted negative sum when you combine all of their traits but you don't get that quickly either you get it by one by one like they don't happen all at the same time right so you don't suddenly have an animal appear that has overall negative but i'm saying when those things do happen those die out pretty quickly but the, i'm not understanding how that happens like an animal doesn't suddenly appear no i'm not saying i'm not saying it appears i'm saying that when you pass that threshold 
of yeah. whatever the positive the negative weight it sums out being the okay, positive okay okay it dies out pretty quickly those are the bad genes that don't pr- proliferate okay so the point you're making is that there's an animal that's surviving yeah. it has a positive difference right now in terms of positive yes. negative things you know random evolutionary mutations keep happening yeah you're saying the moment that the negative outweighs the positive it's it'll just be the exponential decline like the curve will look really bad it'll be really fast i'm really not saying fast. it's exponential, exponential i just blabbed yeah but yeah. it'll be i'm fast. saying it'll be yeah. fast okay you're uh, saying that that's your argument okay yes but i'm saying i think in our modern society which we've completely artificially uh-huh. constructed separately from nature hmm. that's not the case so would you say that uh, that's the defining characteristic of being in nature a fast feedback loop yeah anything else or just that No I mean I think fast feedback loop encapsulates it like decisions have consequences basically and you know quickly Mhm I think for us our feedback loops have been slowing 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 for a very long time hmm. and I feel like it's slow to the point where I don't know if you can really say that okay this is equivalent to what nature's feedback loops are like I mean our life cycles even on an empire level mm. like a thousand years there are like trees older than that like however slow you think humanity is mm. it's still a a snap of the fingers in nature scale like even if we've reached a level of advancement where we make a bad civilizational decision now mm. and let's say in the year 5000 we we collapse because of it in nature scale that's still like ridiculously small mm, sure but like what did you say like life on earth is 4.3 billion years old mm. so we've not even like exceeded like 1 second of that time No, but okay. If you take the example of a specific species, hmm. which starts displaying negative characteristics that outweigh the positive sum, yeah, yeah, how long do you think that would survive? Negative characteristics of positive. Yeah, it's not going to survive a hundred years. It can't, because it has no artificial barriers to protect it. No, I think it's purely dependent on the environment it's in. Like, for example, the. I'm talking about in the context of the environment huh. the negative character characteristics outweigh the positive characteristics. Oh in the context of the environment. Yeah, this is all in the context of the environment. Otherwise okay. saying positive negative has no meaning. Okay. In the context of the environment if it got hmm, I don't know. I don't have an answer for it. I can't I can't come up with an answer. Would you say it would be less than a century? less than a century the species got something oh i mean i don't know how meta to go with this the like doesn't it also depend on how like what is the life cycle of the animal like a negative consequence mm. like if that happened to a fly that species might be gone in a day cuz okay you know, that's a fair argument yeah. yeah but then you can also make an argument here that we've artificially managed to lengthen our life cycles which makes the plural, the 
recession of slow jeans even slower hmm still a blink but, of an eye no but that does mean we've separated from nature right that's my whole argument that we've created these artificial barriers and i'm saying that's what defines us being able to separate from nature but we're still even though we have lengthened our lives we're still not even older than the oldest things like trees are older than us tortoises live longer than us but they can't make themselves live longer we can uh-huh. 250 years like uh, sorry said again like no they can't lengthen whatever their life cycle already is fine uh-huh. they can live 250 years yeah. they can't make themselves live to 300 ha huh. i'm saying we have the ability to do that to extend our life cycle by almost a decade or two now already yeah and i'm saying that's the uh, that's our ability to separate from nature if in some hypothetical future we achieve whatever we think of as immortality or the ability to live past 120 uh-huh to me i don't know what bearing the natural world would have us have on us anymore if we eliminate the ability to die of disease or sickness we can't really draw analogies to nature anymore it's not possible you still can because that's what a virus is No, wait, sorry, I didn't get that. Viruses are barely living things mm. that have genetic code. Uh-huh. And there's no real concept of dying. Like when if outside a host, they just live for like millions of years just like that. Like nothing, you know, they just chill. Until their literal cell breaks apart because of old age or whatever, that is god knows how long that takes. Okay. It's still genetic information, it's still pseudo life, like which has a large scale to it, like, you know. so that even if we manage to live a thousand years huh. we still have a natural analogy to that no uh, because the virus is in conscience hmm it's completely unconscious okay so would you like to add consciousness to the list of things that separates us from nature are we saying that animals don't have consciousness i don't know no they're not self conscious but they are conscious so you're saying that's something else that separates us No. I'm saying you can't draw an analogy to a virus hmm. because a virus is not conscious at all. Forget self-consciousness. Hmm. It's not even conscious. Okay. I'm saying draw an analogy to something like a deer hmm. that has consciousness. Oh, wait, you're saying a deer has consciousness. Yeah. It's not self-conscious, right? I would say consciousness is what you're calling self-consciousness. Okay, then what is self-consciousness? that's just an extra word attached like it's consciousness to me is the or the sudden awareness of the self oh no yeah consciousness is being aware of your surroundings and being able to interact with it oh the literal definition of consciousness yeah self consciousness is being self aware oh okay okay yeah okay then in your terms hmm. a deer is not i mean how do we prove that though? i don't i don't know I don't know dude. I mean look all I'm saying is drawing a comparison to a virus isn't like a fair analogy at all. Okay. This is literally like a single cell being. Okay, then we'll go back to what you were saying which yeah. is like if we manage to extend our lives artificially through our own means. I mean if we extend it it will be artificially. <coughs> if we extend our lives. Hmm. Uh, can we draw fair comparisons with nature anymore? When diseases don't affect us and viruses don't affect us. I'm saying we've already started down the journey to that path. It's a bit shaky but like using tools to get food is extending your life no Using tools to get high value food hmm is a way of extending your life because you get that high value food using that tool you've extended your life 
we're just doing it genetically with very fancy stuff i mean that's like a zero to one transition dude using external hmm. tools to get food and using genetic tools to literally change your dna hmm. that's like a zero to one comparison i don't know if you can really make no, no, that we comparison are way better yeah that is there but i'm saying it's not even the same scale yeah yeah then how we can't say that using tools to get better food is on the same scale huh. as using genetic tools I'm to i'm just making the claim that we're all still on the same graph you're saying that using tools to get better food and using genetic tools to recombine your dna are on the same graph yes okay no hmm. i think there is some epoch defining thing that happened in between that makes us separate from nature yeah i don't think putting tools to get better food on the same graph as using tools to get uh. to recombine your dna uh. can be on the same graph okay cuz chimps might be able to make better tools to get more food to get mm. better food they just can't do it at large scale collaboration hmm. but in between to jump from one this this to that uh, they clearly aren't capable of that so it's not like some curve which is connected hmm there is something that happened in between that we just don't know about i just think it's crazy to talk like this on a mm. pale blue dot possible but like he, it's occurred to me that you might be thinking of nature as what's on earth like we're still not even a type 1 civilization uh what type of civilization are you talking about are you talking about that theorem which says that you have to cross some frontier to be considered uh cross from frontier yeah there is some i forgot whose paradox this was about why we haven't been contacted by aliens oh the fermi paradox mm. no no it's not that this is uh, this is just an arbitrary classification of how we would classify alien species and us also okay. which is type 1 is complete control of your planet mm. type 2 uh, is uh, complete control of your solar system okay whatever is your light giving source can you control everything around it mm. is type 2 type 3 is galactic control so like in you know that picture of the pale blue dot mm. like it's it seems silly to be on that dot and be like dude i'm separate from nature dude no i'm talking about i'm talking only about nature that's found on earth okay then i can see why you're saying this okay yeah then i can see that i'm not I'm talking about like in- intergalactic forces no. i'm not talking about a space empire i'm not talking about mm. uh, space faring civilizations nothing look we have no evidence for that we don't have anything about it mm. i'm only talking about nature on earth what we've studied what we've compared ourselves to for like thousands of years mm. all that if you're narrowing the scope to that mm. then i mean you don't have to agree with me it's fine because i know there is a lot of hubris in this but i feel like if we've achieved everything we've achieved it's okay to say that because what we've achieved isn't tiny it's pretty massive oh no yeah it's i am a human supremacist mm. like which is why i'm surprised you're disagreeing with this yeah, or like rel- I'm a, reluctant I'm a, i'm a human supremacist but my scope of nature is i'm still like I think it's very dangerous to think that we are somehow separate from nature. No, it is dangerous. It's a, it's the proper premise to every sci-fi movie. Like. <laughs> it is dangerous, yeah. yeah. And you're right, the analogy of Icarus is probably true here. Hmm. But 
i don't know at some point we are going to say otherwise how do you ever define the point where we say we're separate from nature this is basically saying we'll never reach that point yeah see the the way you could distract my argument is that uh, you could say that i am presenting a non falsifiable hypothesis yeah basically you're saying that there is no scenario in which we are ever separate from yeah, nature yeah it's like saying that i'm separate from the universe like wait how how could you ever do that like I, we are products of nature mm so but what does that mean we can't separate from it because it's the like the universe is all encompassing so yeah. you, there is no meaning to separating from it yeah yeah the nature isn't all encompassing hmm no but it we are encompassed by it we came out of nature but why does that mean we are encompassed by it because no because we came out of it and I, on earth we are encompassed by it we are surrounded by nature only like our creations okay which is oh yeah this this on another difference between us i consider cities as natural new york city is natural to me Like to me, ants make ant colonies. Mm. Beavers make dams. We make New York. Maybe this I would have to think about a little bit more. Because mm. for me, my first thought is, again, not really. But I'm probably wrong about that. So I, that's something I would probably have to think about. Mm. Yeah. All right, boys and girls. Let us know if you think that we're separate from nature or not. Respond back. Like, subscribe. Make sure you join our Patreon, and also make sure you tip extra on my OnlyFans this month. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Bye.